this is my attempt at a podcast. I just wanted to try this out. This is actually me preaching at Kingwood a few years ago and accepting an award uh, from Birmingham Metro Masters Commission. I hope that you enjoy. I hope that God changes your life through this, and I hope that this is one of many to come of our podcast. Thank you. Birmingham Metro Masters Commission. The Sword Ceremony. The five kings of the Amorites joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua moved from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them and cut them down. As they fled before Israel, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky, and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. We are a people who wish to stand face to face in the presence of our master, wholeheartedly in love with him. And entering through that threshold with boldness and confidence and with a new creed in our souls, our minds will not merely imagine that day. A day when every church, every hall, every school, or home where the gospel is proclaimed will be standing room only. Until that day, we will be relentless, we will be unstoppable. And when that day comes, we will know we are standing on a heritage of those that have gone before us. But ever still look to the horizon for the next uncharted territory. This, this is momentum. Not simply moving, but surging ahead for one purpose, one goal, one end. I press forward to the mark of the highest calling. I will fight the good fight. I will keep the faith. I will finish this race. Joshua tells us that there has never been a day like it since that the Lord listened to a man. 
but could there be a day when Master's Commission fights so fiercely that he would stop the universe and take Take notice? notice. Oh Lord, take notice. You know, one of my favorite phrases in that entire sword ceremony is that we stand on the legacy of those who've gone before us. Whatever we do in the kingdom of God, I promise, is not done alone. It's done because God himself has placed leaders, has placed mentors, pastors, parents, and role models so that they can see and understand really what legacy is all about. Israel Jane, I'm going to ask you if you'll join me on the platform. Israel David Jane with his wife Erin are both graduates of BMMC. Israel is one of the five young men from our very first Master's Commission program in 1993. Kingwood was his home church, KCS his school. He was at first very shaky and rather shy. But over the years, has developed into a tremendous leader and a man of God. Israel served as a staff member for several years here at BMMC before moving with his wife, Erin, to El Paso, Texas to begin a master's commission program in a very dark and difficult city. Israel and Erin have been tremendously successful in establishing the Faith Master's Commission in El Paso and is today faithfully raising up quality disciples there. Israel, today BMMC is inaugurating something new, a brand new honor to be given to a deserving alumnus of Birmingham Metro Master's Commission. You are the very first recipient of the BMMC Legacy Award to be annually given to the alumnus who fits the criterion. Israel, Because you proved yourself a faithful steward of the discipleship and training you received at BMMC, and because you've shown extraordinary anointing for the work of God after having left BMMC, because you've earned the respect as a role model for BMMC graduates to follow, because you've shown continued faithfulness to the high standards you learned here, because you've exercised the courage to carry the torch of God's light into dark places, burning with passion for the lost and dying. You have exuded the faith of an apostle, the leadership of a king. And you've given reason for all of us at Kingwood Church and Birmingham Metro Masters Commission to be proud you are a product of this Masters Commission program. We present to you the very first BMMC Legacy Torch. Israel Jane has a word from God for us today. And we gladly turn the pulpit over to Israel. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Sims and and church family, uh, Master's Commission. uh, I'm humbled uh, I'm humbled, for, first of all, for that. Um, I don't even know how to start, really, after something like that. But I also am just humbled just to be back at this church and in the presence of so many incredible men and women of God who have uh, 
had showed me the way to live. And I, uh, I love, I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited. I love Kingwood. I was telling Pastor Cox back there that Kingwood is the place. I went to school here. I, uh, I got saved here. I felt my calling into the ministry here. I joined Master's Commission here. I met my wife here. I mean, this, is a, this has been a, a wonderful place, and this has been a place of divine moments, a divine appointments in my life. And I just, I'm humbled to be able to come and be behind this pulpit for you, for you today. I believe I have a message, and if you will just, uh, just agree with me in prayer, I'm going to go ahead and get things started. Father God, we just come to you right now and we praise your mighty name. God, we thank you so much that you set up divine moments, divine appointments in our lives. And I pray that today that you give me the strength to grab onto mine. And Father, I pray pray that by the end of this service that you give others the strength to grab onto theirs also, Father. God, we thank you that you speak to us and through us. And God, I pray today you speak to me and through me and help me to walk in the anointing you've given me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, well, I'm so excited to be here. My wife, Erin, uh, is extremely pregnant, and you'll be able to see her tonight. She is actually in Phoenix City, Alabama with her family. Her, her grandfather is not expected to live very much longer, so she wanted to spend some time. But she is very excited and can't wait to get here to, to see everybody and uh, you, you, can, you can see, you know, I guess if we're not careful, we could have the baby here too. So we, we better be careful. But we have been in El Paso, Texas for the last uh, going on, I think we're going on four years or five years. Uh, and we, we love it there. We miss it here. Uh, it's much different. There was quite a bit of a culture shock when we first got there. Uh, El Paso is just barely in America and just barely in Texas. And when we got there, everybody, we first thing we did, we went to a Walmart. Everybody was speaking in Spanish, and I didn't know what I got myself into, because I don't know Spanish. <laughs> uh, but we, we've just enjoyed it so much there, and God has moved in, in our group and raised up some incredible people. I, I'm glad to see some people that have gone through our program that are here, uh, and just very excited. But I want to get right into it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 28. This is a very familiar story. Today I want to talk to you about godly character. 14, 28 through 30. Just follow with me. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Listen, in the few years that I've been in the ministry, I have learned that the times that my students start to struggle the most, the times that I start to struggle the most, times that my family or friends or whoever starts to struggle the most are the moments that we get our focus off of God. We take our focus off of him. And we start placing it on the waves that are around us or the storm that's in front of us or the rain that's happening or whatever's going on in your surroundings. We take our focus, even if it's just for a moment, we take our focus off of there and then we start to focus on the surroundings more on who can get us out of those surroundings. Listen, it's when we start to focus so much, 
masters, this is especially for you. It's when we start to focus so much on the rules or on what we think we're sacrificing or on the no dating rule. You know, it's amazing. There can be students that come into master's commission. They haven't dated for three years. But the moment you tell them they have to give it up for a year, they're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you know what? And Satan comes right in and says, you're right. You're not. You can't do it. This person, you're going to be with that person. Hey, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Peter was fine when his focus was on the Lord. He was not aware of his surroundings. He wasn't listening to what the waves were saying about how he was never going to make it. Because that's the problem. So many times we just listen to what the waves are saying of you're not going to make it. You're never going to overcome your past. You're not going to get through this. Look at your family. This is what you're going to be like. And we quit focusing on him and what he has for us. Listen, we have to focus on him. It was the moment that he stopped focusing on God that his his focus switched. It was that moment when fear and confusion and eventually failure entered the picture. And it's the same with us. It's the same with us. See, part of developing godly character is in living a life that is not so me-centered. The world tells us to look out for number one, to only worry about yourself, to step on whoever you have to step on to get where you got to go. That's not it. That's not it. That's not what godly character says. Godly character says that when you start to pursue a life that is not all about yourself, then you find yourself living the life you've always longed for. It's not all about me. It's about what we can do. God has got incredible callings for some of you in here. And for all of you. When we stop focusing on ourselves so much and put our focus on Him, the waves just become challenges that have been faced. They become victories that have been won. And eventually you realize that you are a different person than the one that began the journey. Listen, we see it happen in Masters all the time. We see people come in. Uh, I, I know it doesn't happen here, but when I was in the program, it did. It, it, we had students come in and they all they would do was complain. Oh, we got to serve. Oh, we got to do this. Oh, we, we have to go and tell someone about Jesus. I mean, we complain about everything. And then by the time it's out, there's not so much complaint. It's, can we pray a little bit longer than an hour? Can we go over there and do this ministry? Listen, I've got a girl in my program this year that I'm just so proud of. She, about three weeks before Master's Commission started, was when she got saved. Now, I didn't know that. She, she kind of didn't tell me the whole truth. I might not have accepted her, and I'm glad she didn't tell me the truth. But uh, about four weeks before that, she was living in a crack house and in a car sometimes with her drug dealer boyfriend down in uh, Palmdale, California. Listen, now she is completely different than when she came in. She gets up and she preaches the word with authority and with anointing, and she's a different person. And you know what? That's not just available to her. That's available to every one of you. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what your situations or what your surroundings are. What matters is what you do with what God has given you. And he's given everyone in here something amazing. He's given his son. And all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is quit looking at the waves and get on. Step out on the water. Step out on the water. When Aaron and I first left Kingwood, there was quite a few moments of stepping out of the boat. There was a lot of moments. But there was also a lot of moments where we focused on the waves. 
See, when we first went out there, we were uh, taken out there to start a master's commission. And then when we got there, they said, well, we're not going to start it for a year. So we want you to kind of get into the church. And so I had to start teaching Bible in the, uh, the high school there. And Aaron had to take over the bus ministry because the, the person that was doing it broke their ankle. So they just kind of said, well, you're in master's here. You take it over. So she had to take it over. I was teaching high school. And I'm going to tell you, there were many, many times where we looked at ourselves and said, I don't want to be here. This is not what they, they hired us to do. This is not what God called us to do. We're supposed to be master's directors, not teaching high school. I don't want to be here. I want to quit. There's many times where we focused on the waves. But it's when our focus would switch and see that we were already on an incredible adventure. And we were able to pour into people's lives. And we were able to do things and get prepared for things of our future. That something amazing would happen. And I believe that I missed out on some incredible opportunities. Some credible things that God wanted to teach me during those times. Because I was focusing on the waves. We have to focus on Him. On Him. That's where godly, godly character comes from. You know, we missed this church. We still do. We, we love this church. But we know that God has called us to be there. And we want to give God our best. My favorite movie uh, is It's a Wonderful Life. I love that movie. I cry every time I see it. I'm a big baby. But there's a scene in there where George Bailey, he, he has a... He has, at one point, he tried to commit suicide, and, and he wants to give up on his life. And then God gives him a kind of a gift of allowing him to see the world, what it would be like if he had never lived. And so at the point where everything kind of comes together, and he realizes, hey, I really have had a wonderful life. That's why they titled it that. Uh, but he looks at it, and he says, he starts crying and says, God, I want to live. I want to live. And I believe that there is a voice inside all of us that is crying out, saying the same thing today. That is saying, I want to live. But let me tell you, existing and living are two different things. Some of you are just existing today. Because God has a calling, He has something, He has a dream inside of you. He has a vision He has given you. And you're settling for second best. You're not going for the gusto. You're not giving all to Him. And you're settling. And you're just existing. And he wants you to start living today. Start living. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Listen, to truly live, you must live a life that is filled with godly character and integrity. And only then will you know a life that is truly about freedom. The moment that we were formed in the womb, God breathed breath into us. We were formed in his image. The moment we were in the womb, we were formed in His image. Now, we were created and set apart for a specific purpose. Each and every one of you can specifically do something that someone else can't do. You were called to do something that someone else can't do. And listen, when you are a creation, you are never complete unless you are doing that which you were created to do. You will never be fulfilled You will never be completely happy unless you are doing what He has called you to do. Uh, That purpose in our life is sustained by godly character. When we begin to lose the character of God, then we begin to walk away from that purpose for which we were created. We begin to substitute our destiny for a life of mediocrity. To have His character, we must first learn to die to ourselves because to become like Him 
to learn his character as to what it truly means to live. Listen, to be a Christian filled with godly character, it does not mean a life devoid of passion. Listen, sometimes we look at the word passion like it's a dirty word, but it's not. Christians should be the most passionate people that are out there. Should be, you know what? I, I hate it when we go to, and, and do outreaches or do homeless ministry sometime, and we see Christians that are just kind of like, yeah, Jesus will get you saved. And then they turn the corner, and the drug dealer is more passionate than we are. We have to be passionate about what we believe in to go out there and change this world. I hate the way the world views Christianity too. Like we're all out of the same cookie cutter mold and we all have to act a certain way and we all have to, we have to be devoid of passions. But it's not true. We should be the most passionate. But unfortunately, so many times we become the most wishy-washy, complaining, hypocritical, counterfeit images of Christ. But We don't have to be. We don't have to be. The choice is ours. God's desire is not for the elimination of our passion. Instead, as we gain godly character in our life, they become overwhelmed with new passions. When we have worldly characters, then our passions just consume and destroy. When we have godly passions, then there is no limit to where we can go. One problem with attaining godly character is that we don't truly understand what freedom really is. See, no matter how free we are, we always seem to have this grass is greener mentality of, oh, well, I'd be freer if I was over there. I'd be more free if I could could do this or if I could do that or if I could speak like that person. See, we, we have this grass is greener mentality. You know, when I was younger, I thought that true freedom meant the opportunity to choose to do whatever I wanted to do. If it meant that I wanted to go and drink, then I went and drank. Do drugs, do drugs, sex, whatever. Then that meant that I was free to choose that and that's what I wanted to do. When I was in my parents' house and they told me that I couldn't do that, I felt like I was trapped. Felt like I was trapped, that that wasn't really freedom, that I had to somehow break out of that and get out of the rules. However, it wasn't until a little bit later that I actually realized that sometimes the things we choose in our freedom eventually hold us as their prisoners. And that's not just with drugs or alcohol. That's with attitudes. That's with bitterness. That's with unforgiveness. That's with all kinds of things. What usually happens is that people begin to feel trapped in the lives that they've created for themselves. The teenager that couldn't wait to have sex feels trapped by the life that she's carrying. The young man that felt like the freedom was to choose alcohol feels trapped in the false reality that he can't have fun or be himself unless he's drunk. That's how I felt at one time. See, maybe the choices you choose in your freedom were having an affair or living with bitterness or living at half best. Whatever that is, what your choice was, not all free acts really lead to freedom. Choices that we feel free to make may actually be leading us into a life devoid of freedom. Listen, that's why the Bible put it in these terms, Romans 6, verse 19. You can uh, just listen. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think it's also why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23, 
everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. You have the freedom to go out and choose to do that, but it's not going to benefit you one bit. It's not going to make you into a world changer. It's not going to make you into uh, reaching those dreams that you have, that God has given you. It's going to help you to live at second best. You see, sin creates the illusion of freedom. It fools us into seeking freedom from, from God rather than finding freedom in God. Real freedom is only attainable through godly character. And this, you know what, this at first, this doesn't make sense either. Not to, to our, our human minds. They say, okay, real freedom means that you have to forgive everybody for their trespasses. And there's a part of us that's like, we have to forgive people? What they did, well, I don't want to forgive them. I want to hold on to this. I want to hold on to this this bitterness and this hurt, hoping that in holding it over that person that we're really hurting them back. But it's not. It's just keeping us trapped inside of that. Where that you can't, you begin to look to where you can't look at anyone without having bitterness. You can't do anything without that bitterness, without that complaining, without that, that belief of, well, if they hadn't done that, you know, and I'm sorry, some, some of you, you've had some horrible things happen in your life, in your past. And I'm sorry, I wish that that wasn't true. But when are you going to stop letting your past determine who you are now? Quit letting your past tell you who you are. Let your future, let God, let God heal that. For, get over that and let God heal you, you and bring you back to where you're supposed to be. Godly character says that true freedom... And listen, let me, let me say this. There is, there is no way that you can drink without limit. You can't do drugs without limit. You can't have sex without limit. You can't, you can't have, hold on to bitterness without limit. You can't even hate without limit. But godly character says that you can love without limit. You can forgive without limit. You can be generous without limit. You can sacrifice without limit. You can risk without limit. You can... Enjoy and love life without limit, without boundaries. Nothing can hold you back. And those are the only areas that you can. Those are the only areas. And when you're true, you really know it. When you're free, you really know it. See, when God is the focus of your passions, He changes the passions of your heart. And the result of that change is that it becomes God's pleasure to fulfill those passions. When we are finally free to live a life that is truly alive is when God frees us from all those passions that have imprisoned us for so long. So many times we place ourselves into that prison. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It's time that some of us step out of that boat and we grab onto the new and let that old just drift away. When I was young, I used to love to run around, just run around aimlessly. When we were really young, when I was really young, we were, we were pretty poor. And, and uh, so for me to get anything new was, was uh, like a treasure. You know, I, if I got a new pair of shoes, it was like they were magic shoes. You know, I'd put them on and just take off running. And somehow I thought that they made me run faster. So I'd put them on and just run around the little apartment complex, just run aimlessly. But, you know, if you want to run free in life, then two things have to happen. Two things. One is this. You have to be able to see the prison that holds and molds you into the pattern of the world. And that pattern may be, well, hold on to the bitterness. Hold on to the anger. Hold on to the rage. Hold on to, on to this. This is what we deal with a lot is it's my right to feel this way. Yeah, it is. 
And it's your right to feel trapped for the rest of your life too. But it's also your right to have that freedom that God desires for you. Number two is this. You must know the way. You have to know the way where you're running. You have to know what you're running to. To want godly character, listen. To want godly character, to want to be a world changer, to want to be someone that makes a difference, to want to start a revelation, revolution, that's one thing. Everyone dreams. Dreaming's cheap. However, to know how to do it and to actually take the steps that require you to do and walk through this, that's a whole nother thing. Anybody can dream. You know, there's a quote that I just love, and it says that, that uh, everybody dreams of making a difference in the world, but then there are those few, few brave souls that actually wake up and make the difference. Be the one that wakes up. If you choose to run free, you must break free from the pattern of this world. In times, you may feel like you're running alone, but you're not. Listen, this year, I'm going to be honest with you, this year there's been some times where I felt like giving up. My whole first semester was hard. I had students that were there that didn't want to be there. I had students that were there that were sent by their parents that were hoping since they couldn't do dis- discipline in their, parent, their children's lives that I would do it for them. And so they got into the program and, and so many times they didn't want to listen. I had students that we were going to conquest talking about how you shouldn't do drugs and drink alcohol. And then they were going behind a building and doing just that. There were times where I wanted to quit. There was a time I went behind Walmart and just cried and said, I I can't do this. I don't want to do this. You know what? There's nothing wrong with feeling like you want to quit. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody feels that way sometimes. But it's the fact that you get back up and you say, just like Dustin did today, that I will not be broken by you, that I'm going to get back up and do what I've been called to do. And you know what? Now, my, my program... The students that are in there, I love them. to. I don't even want graduation to come. I'm not ready for them to go yet. Because I love them and they're doing great and they're, they're following through. And it's like something has snapped inside of some of them and they actually get it. And they're going to be world changers. Listen, you got to have god- godly character. Godly have got to have godly character. Listen, I've known plenty of students have come into the program that are just oozing with talent. You know, it's almost like the kind of people that kind of make you sick because they can do everything. You know, I'm not real good at sports, never have been. You'd think that God would look at me and say, okay, you're not good at sports, so I'm going to make you a good dancer. Yeah, well, I can't dance either. I want to. When God was handing out the talents for dancing, I guess I was kicking a rock somewhere. I don't know what was going on, but I can't dance. But you know what, God... God is not so much worried about talent as he is worried about character and integrity. And character and integrity will take you places that talent never can. Talent never can. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Think about this. If Jesus had come only showing off the talents that the world deemed worthy, then we would miss out on on some incredible treasures that God had for us. 
Because we think that those were the only important things. But no, instead God told us a whole different way to live. And sometimes we look at that and say, this is hard, I can't do it. But when you actually start to walk through it and live God, a life of godly and uh, character and integrity, then your life changes. Your life changes. Listen, John 10.10 10 says, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it more abundantly. Listen, this says it right there. That's, that's, that's it. It says the thief comes to steal. He comes to steal your passions. He comes to steal your future. He comes to steal what God is, the dreams that God has placed inside of you. It says he comes to steal, kill. It, it, he comes to kill every ounce of hope that is inside of you, and then ultimately he desires to destroy you. And so many times we focus on that. That's the wave we focus on. But we forget the second part of the verse that says, But I have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. It's therefore taking. It's therefore taking. So many times Satan does this by convincing us to throw away our potential. Or convincing us that our lack of living up to our potential is somebody else's fault. We have to own our mistakes. We have to own our bad choices. Whenever we make poor choices in life, there's always someone to blame. But until we learn to own our mistakes, we will never conquer our mistakes. We have to be trustworthy. The size of our character is in direct relation to the size of our future. You have small character, you have a small future in, in plan. You have large character, then you're, there's, there's no limit to where God can take you. Integrity is who we are when the spotlight is off of us. Integrity is who we are when no one is watching. Integrity means not living a two-faced life. If you live one way when one person's in the room and then you, they walk out and you live a life that contradicts that, then you're not re really living an integrity-filled life. Integrity comes from the root word of integer, which means to be complete or whole. Now listen, this is, this is just a personal thing. I hate it when I hear people say, oh, I'm just really broken today, or God's really breaking me today. Listen, God does not desire for you to be broken. Broken means you do not work the right way. When something is broke, you don't work the way you're supposed to work. God desires for you to be humble. God desires for you to have the fear of the Lord, but God desires for you to be whole. To be whole. He wants to make you whole. To be whole, to be real, we must be full of integrity. When we lack integrity, we are controlled by fear. We are afraid of getting caught, of someone knowing who we really are. But when we walk in integrity, we have nothing to fear at all. Proverbs 10.9 says, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. As we grow in integrity, we grow in courage to be the kind of people we're supposed to be. To live the lives that God has called us to live. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Matthew 5.14-18 through 18 says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise the Lord. Godly integrity, godly character does not only touch us, it touches those around us. It gives them the courage to live that life too. Probably one of the most amazing points, and I'm almost finished, the most amazing points of living a life of integrity is that we're not two-faced. The life we live in the public is the same life we live in private. And this is the amazing part. It's amazing when you can look inside your own heart and actually like what you see there. Actually like who you really are. 
Another key to godly character is just simply not giving up. When everyone around you gives up, you keep fighting. When everyone else around you chooses not to show up for work, you show up. When everyone else decides that they just want to give up on this life, you keep fighting, keep working, keep going. I believe that there are people in here that have huge dreams, huge dreams, dreams that you've never told anyone about. And God wants you to have the courage to start living those dreams. See, there's something in the heart of every man or woman, something that God wants you to do. And he does not want you to simply sit back and watch him do it. It's a calling that he, he's waiting for you to embrace, to run to, and to fulfill. It's amazing that God, God desires to trust us with his most sacred work. He desires to trust you and me with the things that he has inside of you. Listen, some of you might say today, but I don't know what that calling is for me. Well, then just do what you know to do at this time. See, the problem many times is not that we don't know what to do, but that we don't know what we know to do. We, we, we have so many things that we can blame it on, but we don't know. The key to our destiny is an everyday obedience. Everyday obedience. When we submit our lives to what God has made known for us to do, then the future starts to unravel for itself. Listen, I've had students that have gone through Master's Commission before that have called me or emailed me or whatever that say, you know what, when we were in Master's Commission, we were promised that we were going to be a world changer and now we're not. And it's Pastor Sin's fault and it's your fault and it's Pastor Cox's fault. It's nobody's fault but yours. Look at the life you're living on a daily basis. You will never be a world changer if you can't start to place godly character in your life and live out a life on a daily basis of obedience. Quit trying to get away with all you can get away with and start running to the cross and get, getting all you can out of Him. Because I promise one day you're going to look back and you're going to look back and you look at how far you've gone and you think, I can't ever get back. Don't ever get to that place. Start living a life of godly character and integrity right now. One day you realize that you're in the center. When you're living that godly character, you realize that you're in the center of God's calling. And you're not worrying about when are the big things going to happen. You've been faithful with the small things for so long that you're in the middle of the big things. Our desire for godly character many times affects the speed to which our future unfolds. When we remove disobedience from our lives and just do what's right, then we are able to respond without hesitation when that divine moment comes. I heard this story about a little girl, and she was crying. She was scared of the dark, and so she was crying. Her mom was tucking her in. She was saying, Mom, can you please stay in here tonight? Can we sleep with the lights on and, and just stay in here tonight? And her mom said, Listen, God, Jesus is here. There's nothing to worry about. I'm going to leave. I'm going to turn the lights out, so just go to sleep. And the little girl started crying. She said, Mom, please, please, just stay in here tonight. She said, listen, little girl, she, she prayed for her. And she said, listen, daughter, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm going to leave. Now go to sleep. Jesus is in here. And the little girl said, but I can't see Jesus. And she said, well, that doesn't matter. He's in here tonight. And she said, but mom, tonight I need Jesus with skin on. You know, are we going to be Jesus with skin on to the people that are out there that need him the most now? If we are, then we have to quit being counterfeit images of Him. We have to be reflections of Christ. And by doing that, we have to live lives of godly character and integrity. It starts right in here. It starts right in here. What would the world look like? What would we look like if we actually lived what we preached? 
we actually lived it. If you, if you quit, if you just for, if you got rid of the pain, you got rid of the bitterness, you started going to, to the forgiveness, and you started to live a life that counts. Start to live a life that counts. Start to live those dreams and start to live a life of integrity because when you do, there is no limit to where you can go and quit making mistakes for where you are now. Quit making mistakes. Just go for it. Have the courage to step up and step out of the boat today because there's no limit to where you can go. And I'm going to finish there. I'm going to go ahead and close. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes, if I can get someone to the instruments. Father God, we, we just come to you right now and we praise your mighty name. And Jesus, I just, I just thank you. I just thank you that inside of each and every one of us that we have a dream that is just bursting to get out. We have that voice that is crying out, I want to live. And I believe that in here today that there are some people that are just crying out that too. That they're saying, I want to live. I want to live. And so today, if everybody's eyes closed and and heads bowed, nobody looking around, please. I'm going to ask this question because I don't ever want to go anywhere and not ask this question. So again, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. Maybe you have never asked Jesus in your heart. So you don't really know what living really is. And today, you just want to say, just pray for me. I want, I, I want to live. I want Jesus in my heart for the very first time. If that's you, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. If that's you. If you want to ask God in your heart for the very first time, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, good. Good. Now let me ask you this. Maybe you've kind of started getting off the right track and you're not living the life you're supposed to be living. You push some of those dreams down and making some excuses. And today you just want to say, God, I want to rededicate my life. I want to start anew. I want to start afresh. And that's you. Just raise your hand. If you want to rededicate your life today, raise your hand. Good. 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 And I'm going to do one more thing. One more thing. Maybe some of you, you have some dreams that are pushed down so deep inside of you. And you've allowed so many of life situations and surroundings to tell you you're never going to be able to reach those dreams. And today you just want to say, I need someone to pray with me that I will have the courage to get out of the boat and live my dreams and live a life of integrity. If that's you, I want to see you raise your hands where you are. You need, you need some courage today. You need someone to pray for you today. Good. Good. So now I'm going to ask everybody if you'll do just one more favor for me. If everyone in here will stand up. If everyone in here will stand up. And if you raise your hand for any reason at all, if you can go ahead and make your way down here, and maybe I can have some master's students or whatever to help me pray, but if you raise your hand for any reason at all, just go ahead and make your way down here. Just go ahead and make your way down here. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't let the, 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 that lack of integrity or whatever step inside you right now. You make your way down here today, and we'll find you. We'll pray for you and believe that God is going to do an amazing thing for you today. And it's not too late. It's not too late. Thank you. Just make your way to the front. Someone will meet you here. Just make your way to the front. People are responding. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just just make your way to the front as the Lord moves. Make your way to the front. Some of you just you thought, hey, I raised my hand. Ooh, it was just too heavy.